Welcome to Kevin's Podcast Show. Welcome to the dozens and dozens of the KPS faithful. Welcome to any noobs that have found the path and are walking therein. And now it's time to buck up, Buttercup, pull up your non binary, gender neutral panties, look in the mirror and say, I'm good enough, I'm strong enough, and doggone it, it's not the government's job to take care of me. Welcome to Kevin's Podcast Show. Hello, folks. Guess what? Kylie Jenner is a billionaire, and I'm still struggling. How about you? I know you are, because struggle ain't got no color. We're all struggling just a little bit, but Kylie Jenner, she's a billionaire. Let's see what they have to say about it. According to Vox.com, V-O-X.com, whether Kylie Jenner, whose family has been the subject of the wildly popular reality show Keeping Up with the Kardashians, not to mention several spinoffs like her own miniseries Life with Kylie, whether she's truly a self-made millionaire, billionaire has become a topic of con- contention. Critics say that her financial success never would have been possible had she not been born into the life of fame and fortune. Despite the moniker, it's not a stretch to say Kylie's 10-figure net worth has a little something to do with her fame and already quite wealthy family. Uh, Kylie Jenner is a lot of things. She's a makeup mogul, a reality TV star, possibly a chemtrail truther. I don't know what that's all about. And a mom. As of this week, she is the world's youngest self-made billionaire per Forbes annual billionaires list. And this isn't the first time that Forbes has implied that uh, Kylie is the youngest um, self-made billionaire ever. In a story last year, July 2018, the magazine published America's Women Billionaire, and it featured Kylie, and they said she was set to be the youngest ever self-made billionaire. Uh, Then you got Kim, and of course Kanye, so there's that. Uh, Kim, the most contoured and arguably the most famous Kardashian. Contoured. Mmm. Contoured whose leaked sex tape turned the family into a household name, and who in less than a decade went from being Paris Hilton's assistants to gracing the cover of Vogue. Do you remember that? Do you remember Paris Hilton? Do you remember her? Do you remember when she was the shiznit and everybody talked about her? Are you old enough to remember that? That's been like 10, 12 years ago. Sad. I'm sure she's still rich and has a fabulous life, but whatever. Then there's Courtney, whose brand can be best summed up as a glam mommy blogger. She's launching a new lifestyle brand called Posh after her nickname for her daughter, Penelope. And Chloe, the one who's into fitness. Uh, She's on the show called Revenge Body, which is basically about getting fit to get even with your ex. I don't know. Sounds dumb. But anyway... Kendall, the model, has become the Fashion Week mainstay, and then there's Rob, who's best known for his failed relationship with Black China and his uh, novelty sock line. The Kardashians don't really talk about him a lot because he sucks. The truth about it is, though, is that these Kardashian chicks, whether you dig them or not, or whether you think that they're smart or good business people or whatever you want to talk about, they work their ass off to to build their brand all the time. I mean, they constantly are tweeting. They're constantly putting... I mean, and their fans just keep growing and growing and growing. And some of these girls that are following them now weren't even born whenever their show started. I mean, that's how strong their brand is. 
and they have a very strong brand. They're obviously attractive females, and that helps, and their family had some money, but they weren't super rich. Billions of dollars is super rich. When you get into the hundreds of millions of dollars, that's super rich. That's not like normal rich, and that's there's a difference. That's, just Google it. it. There's a difference. You know, if you have a couple, couple million dollars, you can go spend pretty much a week in any resort in the world, and that'd be cool. But if you've got a couple of billion dollars, yeah, you'll get treated differently. Just saying. But anyway, getting back to what my point is about the Kardashians, they work their ass off. And to me, that's admirable. Whether you like them or not, it's not the point. I don't have to like Coca-Cola to understand that it's a good brand. Okay, I do like Coca-Cola, I'm just saying. But I'm, I'm saying if I preferred Pepsi, Pepsi's a good brand too. They're, it, it, it's that's a, that's a good example right there. Pepsi and Coke. Two brands that basically sell sugar water. That's all they're doing. They're both colas. They both taste similar. There's not a lot of difference between them. But they've eked out a market for themselves both ways. Both of them make millions and billions of dollars every year. It's a brand. They work on it. And working on that branding is important. And now for a little break from my show. Don't forget to tell your friends about KPS. Don't forget to tell them about Kevin's podcast show where great things happen. And now back to the show. See, that's branding right there. That's how you do it. That's what you do. You brand your show, and you I've not really found my way yet. Hopefully, I'll find my way soon, but uh, once you find your brand, you just keep pounding it into people's heads. You just keep pounding and pounding and pounding, and you don't let up. And that's what these girls have done. Oh, I'm sorry. Ladies. Oh, I'm sorry. Women. I'm sorry. These human beings have done is they have created brands, and they um, they work on them all the time, and it works. It's made them millions and millions of dollars, but they're tireless whenever they do it. Okay, that's our first story today, and let's skip on down to our next story and see what we got going on. Well, Ilhan Omar is back in the news. That's the congresswoman from Minnesota. Minnesota. She's from Minnesota, but she's not really. Uh, Ilhan Omar, Democrat from Minnesota, made a bunch of uh, anti-Semitic, Islamophobic, and racist remarks. And they've, uh, well, the House has come up and decided they want to uh, condemn those remarks, but they never actually said anything about her. Now, what started this controversy was in February, Omar responded to a tweet from journalist Glenn Greenwald, who posted about the House GOP leader, Kevin McCarthy, threatening to punish Omar and other congresswomen for being critical of Israel. Omar wrote wrote back, It's all about the Benjamins, baby. I reported this once before. And a line about $100 bills from Puff Daddy song. Um... Critics jumped on a tweet and said Omar was calling up a negative and harmful stereotype of Jewish Americans. And I said that I didn't think that was a big deal because, you know, Jewish people, I'm sure they're fine with it, have a lot of money. So there you go. But in another tweet soon after, Omar named the American Israel Public Affairs Committee or the AIPAC saying it was funding Republican support for Israel. We talked about that, too. It received backlash. Uh bipartisan backlash 
I don't mean Republicans and Democrats, for all you people from Hancock County. Uh, she apologized and said she was learning the ropes. And she about, she didn't want to give out this quote, the painful history of anti-Semitic tropes. tropes. There's that word again, tropes. The latest controversy comes from Omar's remarks at an event at, the, at a Washington bookstore called Busboys and Poets last week. That's not the name of the store. The store's Busboys and Poets. It was last week that they, they've written that poorly. But anyway, the comment in question refers to the weeks of controversy that followed Omar's earlier criticism. I want to talk about the political influence in this country that says it's okay for people to push for allegiance to a foreign country. I want to, she's talking about Israel there. I want to ask why it's okay for me to talk about the influence of the NRA, the National Rifle Association, of fossil fuel industries or big pharma, and not talk about the powerful lobbying group that is influencing our policies. Once again, she was accused of anti-Semitism. She was talking about Israel right there. Um, <clears throat> so she said, let's see, there was a guy said that. Uh, suggested that Jews have a dual loyalty in the case for U.S. and Israel, and accusing Jews of harboring dual loyalty has a long, violent, and sordid history. Um, It's the standard fare of then Ku Klux Klan leader David Duke. It's difficult and dangerous because it evokes the Jews as the malevolent other conspiring against a society. Omar, so far, has stood by her remarks and said she is simply criticizing Israel, being opposed to Prime Minister Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, and the occupation is not the same. She calls occupation. She's talking about her in Palestine, talking about in the Gaza Strip. Uh, the occupation is not the same as being anti-Semitic. I am grateful to many Jewish allies who have spoken out and said the same thing. So... She's in the news, and people are pissed off about what she said. Personally, eh, you know, she's got her own opinions. I don't agree with them. I'm saying this is America. She has the right to say them. And uh, Minnesotans, the Minnesota people have elected her. She's their representative, and that's what they get. They've elected her, and that's what they get. I have no problem with that. Let her run her cake hole, just like AOC, uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Let her run her cake hole, because that's going to be the best thing in the world for Donald Trump in 2020. Is let them keep talking, and all they're going to do is guarantee that he's going to get reelected. So that's what I'm. That's my prediction. They just keep running those mouths on this stupid. They don't even know what they're doing. That's the problem. I mean, I would never run for office because I don't know what I'm doing. I'm not a politician, and I certainly don't need to be there. But neither neither does AOC or uh, Ilhan Omar. She don't need to be there either. So, anyway, you, you, you get what you got, Minnesota. You elected her. New York, you elected AOC. You get what you got. You did it. Look in the mirror. Going back to what I just talked about. Look in the mirror. Look in the mirror. Look in the mirror. You did it. Not me. Not people in Tennessee. We didn't do it. You did it. Now you're. it's coming home to roost. And I just hope in the next two years they say more stupid shit. Anyway, let's move on to the next story.
Here's a story from CNN that's near and dear to my heart. The tagline is, why is bacon so addictive? But they're really talking about just pretty much any food. So let's let's see what they have to say about food and why it's so addictive. I have a guess. High fructose corn syrup. But anyway, if foods were granted awards, bacon wouldn't rank high for the heart healthfulness. It might even win top prize at the favorite foods category, however. And... The writer of the story says, full disclosure, I don't eat bacon, but apparently I'm in the minority. you damn right you are. Bacon is great. Bacon is too perfect for words, said Gail Vance. Seville? Gail Vance Seville? Seville? Hmm. Founder and president of Century Spectrum, a consulting firm that helps companies learn how century cues drive consumer perceptions of products. I actually have a friend who is vegetarian. She eats only vegetarian food except for... Bacon. And the reason is because it tastes so good. Damn right. Oh, gosh, this is a great article. Mmm, love bacon. In one recent study, bacon ranked in the middle range of foods that were self-reported as associated with indicators of food addiction. Bacon is just the perfect combo of the sweet, salty, smoky, savory character within the savory. You've got cured meat, roasted brown fat, and there's a perfect combination of ingredients. It goes right to the brain, which says, take another bite, says Linda Papadopoulos, owner of the L&P and Associates and a Century and Consumer Research Expert who managed the Century Evaluation Group at Oscar Mayer for seven years, helping to ensure the company's bacon was consistently pleasing to consumers. Another element of bacon's irresistible appeal is the distinctive scent. It just fills your home with wonderful, savory, smoky aroma. It just makes you feel good. I think they ought to make a perfume out of this, and I would be uh, attracted to ugly females. I'm just saying. So if you're an ugly female and you want me to be attracted to you, uh, rub a little bacon grease behind your ear. I'll nibble there. Mm. Mm. Okay, got lost in thought there for just a second. Uh, Another element is that it's the nostalgia aspect. For most of us, I'd say bacon conjures up some very nice experiences as children with bacon bacon being prepared for breakfast at home. And I think that carries over our our desire to enjoy it for the rest of our lives. Bacon has a lot of salt, a fair amount of sugar, and it's very fatty. The flavor profile includes sweet caramelized notes from cured and caramelized brown pork fat. I love that word, caramelized. Mm, It just sounds good. And browned meat, added sugar along with things like smoke and maple and make it very complex. Mm. Now, for those who are not real smart, how bacon is made. Are you listening, Hancock County? Bacon originates from the belly of a pig. The flesh is injected with a solution containing salt, water, sugar, and in some cure includes sodium nitrate, sodium absorbate. So there you go. That's how you cure it. Actually, I was just teasing Hancock County. They probably know how to hang out a, uh, a hog in a smokehouse a little better than everybody else. Well, they go on to say that... Uh, Flavor variations of bacon include peppered bacon, applewood, chicory, maple, wood, smoke options, and they're derived from woods uh, that impart their own unique flavors. You can get very fancy with the smokes and the cures. Of course you can, but I like my bacon simple. 
Considering that too much bacon can be an unwise health decision, consuming bacon as an ingredient or ingredient or as an infrequently as possible in its whole form might be a satisfactory compromise, assuming you are addicted to the food. That's not satisfactory. Bacon. You need more bacon. Bacon, bacon, bacon. All right. Let's see what else we got going on in the news today. This story comes to us from Al Jazeera. Hundreds of ISIL fighters, we call them ISIS, they call them ISIL. Mm-hmm. Some folks call them ISIL, we call them ISIS. Mm-hmm. Uh, surrender to Syria's uh, Boghaus, SDF. U.S.-backed SDF says hundreds of ISIL soldiers captured or surrendered while fleeing uh, the armed group's last enclave. U.S.-backed Kurdish-led forces in northeastern Syria captured 400 ISIL fighters who were trying to escape the armed group's last enclave in eastern Syria. The senior commander of the Syrian Democratic Forces, or the SDF, also said on Wednesday that hundreds more Islamic State of Iraq and the Levant ISIL, or ISIS, Soldiers surrendered from the last shred of territory they control in the village of Baghuz in Deir az Zor province. There's a large number of fighters who are inside and do not want to surrender, said the FDS or SDS commander, SDF commander. Hmm. Those surrendering um, uh, were among more than 2,000 people who left. Baghuz on Wednesday in the latest evacuation transported by trucks to a patch of desert where they were questioned, searched, and given food and water. Scenes of surrender, humiliation, and anger highlighted the desperation of the armed group as its last major bastion in Syria teeters on the edge of collapse. The evacuations came as U.S.-backed forces slowed its latest push on Baghuz east of the Euphrates River to allow people to leave the enclave. Angry civilians evacuating from Baghuz chanted, Islamic State will remain, underscoring the defiance of ISIL fighters and their supporters even as their defeat looms. A group of women seen at the reception area in the desert set up for screening purposes by the SDF were rowdy, aggressive, and defiant, praising ISIL and screaming angrily at journalists. Islamic State will stay. God is great. God is great. Islamic State will stay, they screamed. Capturing uh, Baghuz, Baghuz? I don't know that I'm saying that right. I'm just guessing at it, folks. But, you know, look it up. B-A-G-H-O-U-Z. Would cap four years of international efforts to roll back the armed group. American Colonel Sean Ryan, spokesman for the U.S.-led coalition backing the SDF, said the international force had, quote, learned not to put any timetables on the last battle. There were no signs of combat on Wednesday from the ISIL-held pocket of less than one square kilometer. Since February 20th, more than 10,000 people have left the enclave, producing scenes of women shrouded in black and children climbing off trucks in the desert to be screened in search. The women and children were taken to a camp for displaced people, while suspected fighters were moved to det- detention facilities. The overcrowded detention camp has now become home to more than 55,000 people, many of whom emerged from Baghuz, weak, tired, and hungry. The International Rescue Committee aid group said 4,000 people arrived on Wednesday of the 90 
who have died reaching the camp since December, two-thirds were babies or infants, it said. Well, that's sad. But anyway, ISIL's being defeated, and not in small part to the United States dicking around over there in Syria. I'm not necessarily saying that's where we need to be, because, you know, as a libertarian, I don't really want us to be dicking around in anybody else's country, but, you know, it is what it is, and they do what they do. But if we're going to be over there, I least hope we win and so evidently it's working out pretty well in syria so there you go boo isis all right all right we're coming up on the uh 20 minute mark here so we're going to take us a little bit of a break and come right back we'll get some unknown redneck and finish up with some uh i don't know we'll probably do some uh tennessee news or something like that i'll see you on the other side Hey friends, Unknown Redneck here. I'm just going to tell you right now here in East Tennessee, we have been covered up with a bunch of rain, rain, rain. That's all we've had. It's been everywhere, honey. There's a lot of people flooded out. There's a lot of mudslides and all such as that. And I'm just going to tell you the other day, I got a phone call down there at the workplace, down there at the woodworking factory. And they come out there on the floor and they said, honey, I believe you got a problem. And I said, what is it? And they said, come up here and we'll, we'll show you. And I said, all right. So I went up there and sure enough, old... Kurt Angle, old Patchy, he, he done called up there to the woodworking shop because he done got stuck in the water. Done got his car stuck in the water. So I had to go get him out because I got a four-wheel drive. So I went down there and, honey, he had his little blue-haired girlfriend, old Joanne. She's a little sweet girl. She's standing there and he's standing there and they's both covered in mud and they look like, well, I don't know, drowned rats. I don't know what else to tell you. But anyhow, I made him go out there and hook to his car and get a hold of it and put it on the back of my I wasn't going to get wet if I didn't have to. But anyhow, I got better sense than that. Tried to drive through water. I don't know what he was thinking. But anyhow, I hooked to his car, got out there and, honey, I tried to pull it out and I don't know what he was stuck in, but I couldn't get it to move. I couldn't get it to budge. It wouldn't go no worse. And I just had to leave his car there. Well, brought a couple blankets with me and I always keep him in the truck. And I said, well, here, cover yourselves up. Lord have mercy, you ain't going to sit on my seats. All that water and mud all over the place. Run my truck like that. But anyhow, old Patchy said, I got to go back out there. You know what he went back out there for? He went out there to get one of them devilish video games he had bought. That's right. He went out there to risk his life in the rain and the water and the mud and everything else for a devilish video game. And I said, Lord have mercy. That youngin ain't got no sense. Anyhow, I still love him, but he ain't, he ain't much smart. I'll just say that. And he's still trying to grow that man bun. That little rat tail he's got up there and keeping that do-rag on his head and getting all that hair grease everywhere. I told him he got any mud or hair grease in my truck, he's gonna wash it. Anyhow... We got him home, and I guess the blankets kept everything off. It wasn't too bad. There's a little mud in the floorboard, but I got that cleaned out myself. I didn't want him in my truck anyhow. Lord, that was a big all. That was a big mess right there, I'm just going to tell you. And that just goes to show you, when you ain't got no sense, you ought not be out in nothing like that. But anyhow, that's just a little update from the unknown redneck, and you know where I am. It's time for shout-outs on Kevin's podcast show. My Facebook friends, Weird Tennessee, your source for, well, Weirdness in Big Orange Country, the Libertarian Party of Tennessee, Hybrid Fitness of New Tazewell. You want to lift heavy shit and put it back down? Go see my buddy Danny Ramsey at Hybrid Fitness. And for a giggle, check out Hillbilly Memes and Marketplace Morons. The podcast I listen to and support on this show are All Things EMS with Shift Ender Podcast and Drew McSalty, Smugcast with AP and BJ, Mute, Movie Reviews, News, and General Nonsense, The Dennis Miller Option with Dennis Miller, Highbrow responses to lowbrow ideas. The Unusual Buddha. Check the chill with The Unusual Buddha. And my YouTube buddies, Jason Albert TV, Super Funny, Super Smart, Superman, Greasy Rock Paranormal Channel. You want to see a ghost? 
Who you gonna call? Call Greasy Rock. That's right. And don't forget that the Unknown Redneck has his own YouTube channel. Get your head sack on with the Unknown Redneck. And that's been the shout-outs on Kevin's podcast show. From KnoxNews.com, we have a report of a 3.4 magnitude earthquake felt near Maynardville, Tennessee. Maynardville, Tennessee. Uh, the sixth pl- two-plus magnitude earthquake this year in East Tennessee, and it's only early March, so basically six in uh, about two months, has struck 4.3 miles northeast of Maynardville on Tuesday afternoon, according to the United States Geological Survey. The 3.4 magnitude quake occurred more than nine miles deep at 3.56 p.m., the USGS Monitoring Service reported. USGS originally reported the quake was a 3.3, but upgraded the rating to the 3.4. I don't know what difference that makes, but anyway. The earthquake is about 23 miles northeast of Knoxville and follows a 2.2 magnitude quake near Kingston on February the 22nd and a 2.2 quake near Morristown on February the 8th and a 2.5 magnitude earthquake near Rutledge on February the 4th. And part of the problem with all this, folks, is what a lot of people don't know about East Tennessee is that it's full of caves. There's caves everywhere around here. And with all this devilish rain we've been getting, it's been going on. Well, guess where that water's going to go? It's going to go into the caves, and it goes into the caves. It starts moving. When it moves, it starts moving the dirt around. And whenever the dirt gets moved around, guess what? We have earthquakes. So it's not surprising, but I'm glad nobody got hurt. I didn't. I didn't feel it. I mean, I was around this area, but I didn't feel it. A lot of people did. A lot of people were tweeting about it and Facebooking about it and all those sort of things. But I didn't feel it. But we had a whole lot of shaking going on in East Tennessee. And, well, that's the news. And now it's time for entertainment news. Say hello to my little friend. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. You could ask yourself a question. Do I feel lucky? Well, do you, punk? We have some sad entertainment news. That's right, from Fox News, Jeopardy host Alex Trebek says he's been diagnosed with stage 4 pancreatic cancer. And stage 4 is really bad, folks. So, uh, probably won't make it, and he says he's going to fight it. Jeopardy host Alex Trebek revealed on a YouTube video Wednesday that he's been diagnosed with stage 4 pancreatic pancreatic cancer. Trebek, 78, learned of his condition condition this week he said in the video now normally the prognosis is not very encouraging but i'm going to fight this and i'm going to keep working 
he said, and with the love and support of my family and friends and with the help of your prayers also, I plan to beat the low survival rate statistics for this disease. And it is low, folks. I mean, pancreatic cancer, not only is it very painful, as I've seen a lot of patients in my career as a paramedic that's had pancreatic cancer, but it's not very survivable. Uh, taking to a lighter note, uh, Trebek quipped that he'd have to recover in order to fulfill his hosting duty. Truth told, I, I have to. Because I'm under the terms of my contract, I have to host Jeopardy for three more years. So help me keep the faith and we'll win. We'll get it done. Thank you. He offered the update on his health because uh, he, he wanted to be open and transparent with the fans of the show. Trebek plan, Trebek's plan is to stay um, working through the show's current season which uh, will end in july he's hosted the show since 1984 which is when i graduated high school it's how old i am that's how old he is i guess but anyway i think it's neat that he's going to keep working i think that it's important that whenever people have a situation like this they keep something focused and evidently that's what he's doing so um jeopardy alum ken jennings who's the guy that won the most shows ever and won a whole bunch of money a couple million dollars you know and he's been on jeopardy multiple times he tweeted out he said i've said this before but alex trebek is the in a way the last Cron cronkite authoritative reassuring tv voice that you hear every night almost to the point of ritual and that's true i, I watch jeopardy every chance i get i don't get to watch it regularly and i don't have um, I know it's a shocker right here, but I don't have a DVR, so I don't DVR it. But um, whenever I get a chance, whenever it's on, I always watch it. And I really hate that um, about Alex. But, you know, he says he's going to fight it. So, you know, it's our obligation now to pray for him. So that's a little entertainment news. Sad, but uh, trying to remain upbeat. Okay, we've come to the end of Kevin's podcast show for March the 8th, 2019. Thank you all for listening. I really do appreciate it. Spread the word, spread the joy, spread Kevin's podcast show to everybody you know. I'm talking to you, Suzette. I'm still talking to you about that iPhone 10. I'm very jealous. I'm just saying. But anyway, everybody's got a smartphone. Show them how to use it. Show them how to use the Anchor Podcast app or show them on Google Play or Spotify, Stitcher, any of those. Uh, you can also reach me on Facebook at Podcast Kevin, Twitter at Podcast Kevin, or email me, Kevin's Podcast Show at gmail.com. And you can also reach the Unknown Redneck via email with the Unknown Redneck at gmail.com. And of course, you can always leave me a voicemail on Anchor Podcast app, and I'll be more than happy to play your voicemail on the show. I promise not to make fun of it too much. Anyway, till next time, it is going to be deuces and duck lips. Come in, Ray. Pittman, I saw it, I saw it, I saw it. It's right here, Ray. It's looking at me. He's an ugly little spud, isn't he? I think he can hear you, Ray. Don't move. It won't hurt you. Slime me.